a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight and the rough ways smooth and all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. But one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. You might be forgiven <coughs> if you think this sounds like good news. <laughs> if it sounds like the kind of Christmas preparation that we might be used to. But I happen to think it comes at an important time. It comes at an important time in our lives and the life of this nation. How is it that we come to the Lord? How do we find ourselves when we come to God? What are we like? You see, John's issue was not that people were doing things wrong. That actually was not the issue for him. What John found incredibly hard was that the leaders of worship were presenting two faces. In front of the people and in front of God, they were saying, I'm giving my whole life to you, Father. I'm wanting to honor you with my whole life. 
and with another side, with another face, they were just going through the motions. And to such an extent that it became difficult for others to follow them in the way that they were going. They'd gotten into a pattern, I guess, of doing worship that was all about being seen by others, but not too fussed about being seen by God. And again, it wasn't that John was condemning people for this. What he was saying was this. Look, we all mess up. We all do wrong. We all may come to church with the idea that we are meant to be a religious people that we are meant to be a pious people, that we are meant to show with our outward lives that we are good and faithful and honest and give money and all of these wonderful things. And on the other hand, sometimes we, we don't really mean it. Now, I'm not saying that Folks are intentionally devious. I don't come to church and intentionally deceive God that, hey, actually, I love you, but I've got this, I've got this other God on the side. <laughs> it's not that intentional kind of thing. That's not what I'm talking about. It's the falling in love with the appearance of being good, churched people. Falling in love with this presentation to others and to God that I'm devoted, I'm here, I know my Bible, I can quote it, I attend regularly, I give money to charity. And knowing that as we say those things in our hearts, things are not right. And as I say that, I can think about the things in my heart that the Holy Spirit has convicted me of. And they're not things that I would necessarily know about each of you. But I know that that's how they are because John the Baptist says this. And I know he's right. By the age of four, 90% of children have learned the concept of lying. Based on studies performed, it's estimated that 60% of adults cannot have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. Common reasons for lying. Lying to save face. Lying to shift blame. Lying to avoid confrontation. Lying to get one's own way. Lying to be nice. Lying to make yourself feel better. The average child begins to tell lies between the ages of two and three. Most people lie about four times a day, every day. 
And in face-to-face -face lies, those who lie tend to do the following. Avoid eye contact and appear as small as possible. Have you ever seen that? When someone won't look you in the face and they kind of, they've got their hands in their pocket and they're all, you know, oh, I can't make it tonight. I've, um, I've entered a roller derby. I can't make it tonight. Two, speak without inflection and give rambling answers. And three, when they lie, they touch their face or mouth often and avoid touching their chest or heart. Your body knows because the Creator made it. Your body knows what a lie is. And your body responds to lies in the same way that your Father in Heaven responds to lies. It cringes from them. And do you know what the biggest lie is that all of us tell most of the time, or at least some of the time, most consistently across the board? Do you know what that lie is? Nothing's wrong, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong, I'm okay. Things are fine, I'm fine. God wants more than that. It's not just that God is offended by a lie like that. He wants more than that. He wants more of us than that. What does nothing's wrong, I'm fine do? What does it do? It's taking the free gift of God's love and turning it into a fabrication. It's like saying, Jesus, you know, you're great. I, I think you've said lots of amazing things. You're wise, you know. I love the Bible because it has lots of wise things and I can learn how to live by it. But nothing's wrong. I'm fine. Jesus, your death on the cross is meaningless. Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. You didn't need to die and be resurrected to build a bridge to the Father. Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. I don't need the Father's love. I've got everything I need on my own. Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. I don't need healing. I don't need prayer. I don't need to give my testimony. Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. I don't need forgiveness. I'm in control. I'm in charge. I am master and commander of my own domain. Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. is like taking Southwest Express train straight to hell. I'll just be brutally honest. Because I've seen the lives that are broken who are experiencing that right now. 
nothing's wrong, I'm fine, says, I don't need church. I don't need to hang out with other believers. Nothing's wrong, I'm fine, says, I'll work it out on my own sometime in the future, and I don't need anybody else, and I don't need Jesus, and I don't need the Holy Spirit. And nothing's wrong, I'm fine. Leads to death. I can't be any more clear that we are a church that is called to be the opposite of nothing's wrong, I'm fine. But what did Jesus do on the cross? It's all right, Father. Nothing's wrong, I'm fine. <laughs> he said, Something's wrong. I'm not fine. I'm dying. Father, why have you forsaken me? And so we come to the cross with something wrong. And everything ain't fine. But that's okay. That's where the beautiful stuff is, folks. That's where the artist's materials are lying in wait. Where your Father in Heaven gets to create this beautiful tapestry. Gets to mix his, his paint colors together. And create something miraculous in your life. He gets his storybook out. And he tells you a story. This is the story of your creation. The story of your purpose in life in Jesus Christ. And it is, to, it is to remove the uncertainty of doubt and failure and illness and all of that sort of stuff. It is not to replace it with nothing is all that fine. It is to replace it with something wrong. But I'm going to come to the cross. I don't have all the answers. I don't know much about what's going to happen in the future. I don't know where my finances are going to come from. I don't know if I've beat addiction yet. I don't know if I can trust people who hurt me. But something's wrong, I'm not fine, gets me here. And from here, I can do anything in the power of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? That truth is for you. It's got your name on it. And there's anything I want you to know. It's that. I'm not a complicated preacher. You know that. But some of us, we got to keep making this journey.
And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it ain't easy. And pride isn't always the, you know, material pride. It isn't always the, look at how I've done all these things in such a great way. Sometimes pride is just, you know, God, can I just hang on to a little bit of my own decency here? And not be completely naked in front of everybody with all my problems. That's pride too. And you know what your father says? Don't worry about the finished product. I will create you as my children from stones such as these. And you the main theme. That's it. That's the main thing that Jesus is going to do for you and for me. I love children. I love how when you invite them to do something, they just enter right in. No questions asked. Us adults, we're a pain. There's enough stones here for all of you guys and for me. Here, take this one. And if you feel so moved at some point today, you can come and you can find the one with your name on it. And you can pray about it. You can figure out what the Father is asking you to do in your life. How he's going to bring you up against that nothing's wrong, I'm fine lie. And tame you forever. That's what this season is about. We want to be made ready. Let Jesus do the work. Why don't we stand and do some worship?